Today continues on this series that we are doing on the fruit of the Spirit. And we have been going through those fruits that's named in Galatians one at a time. It comes from Galatians chapter 5 where Paul writes, The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And as we've been working through that one today, we are up to faithfulness what it means for us to bear a fruit of faithfulness and what that looks like in our lives as we have it. For so many years, uh, back when I was youth pastoring, I would take groups of teenagers backpacking in the Colorado mountains. Hiking up, it would be a a five-day trip, right, that we would take three days to get up and two days to get out, and we'd we'd climb to the peak of a a 13,000-foot mountain, backpacking our way up there. And how that goes is there's a point where we find the tree line. You know what that is in the, in the Rockies. You get up to a certain altitude and trees don't grow any higher than that altitude, which is why those mountaintops are all bare out there in the Rockies. So we would, we would hike along and follow a trail and go along a stream that would head up towards where a mountain stream would, would come from with the lake and the snow melt there. But then to get to the mountain peak, we'd have to keep going higher. But you're above the tree line, and it's just rocks and boulders and little tufts of grass here and there. There's not a trail anymore to follow. Well, in some ways, that's not a problem when you're going up because you just go towards the big pointy thing, right? That's the peak of the mountain. Just keep going towards that, and you'll get there. But when we would do that, every 200 yards or so, I would stop, and I would set up a pile of rocks called a cairn. Picture of what one looks like pile of rocks that would just stack up by the rocks that were just laying around there in the boulders. And every 200 yards, set up another one as we keep going. Now, that wouldn't be direction for us to get up because we could see the peak we were going to. The problem was, once you got to the top, once you get to the peak, and when it's time to come down, you turn around, and, and now, because there was no trail, you see all the different valleys in all the directions, and you kind of wonder, which one did we go towards now? Which way is the way down towards where we left our backpacks and our tents? And you want to get that right. But without a trail, there was no way to know. And with weather conditions, especially up in the mountains, you never know when clouds are going to blow in because you're up that high, right? When the clouds blow in, they're on you. So you needed some help, little direction. That's where these cairns come in. That from the mountain peak, we'd turn around and figure out which valley do we head towards again? Where are we going? Oh, there's that cairn that we set up. Go towards that. And maybe that's the only one we could see because you can't see much further than that if, if clouds start coming in. But just head towards the one we can see. And when we get there, look to see where the next one is and head towards that. And then look to see where the next one is and head towards that. You see, it became rather important up in that altitude where there was not a trail anymore to follow to set up markers along the way. Markers that would help us know which way to go, which way we had to go to get to our destination. That's why you, if you've hiked in the mountains, maybe you've seen these rock piles that are just randomly set up like that, the cairns that are there. Today we're going to talk a little bit about setting up those markers, those markers in our lives that help us see the way and remember the way. Faithfulness. And this comes from Lamentations that I'm going to go to. Lamentations, which is 
Tradition holds it's written by Jeremiah, but we don't know for sure. But if it is Jeremiah in the time when he lived in Jerusalem and Jerusalem is being surrounded by the Babylonian army and there's siege on the city and they're taking more and more territory and and it seems all but certain that Jerusalem is going to fall. And it's only a matter of time until the Babylonians completely wipe them out. That's where this comes from, where this is written. Lamentations in a few verses out of chapter 3. Here's what he writes. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jeremiah, who writes these words in Lamentations, when when Jerusalem is about to fall, And all seems lost. He comes to this place of of writing this. Lamentations, it's not one of those books of the Bible that we probably go to all that often. It's five chapters long, so it's not incredibly long. And we read a part here that comes right in the middle. So leading up to this, the, the first two and a half chapters of Lamentations are sort of this catalog where Jeremiah is recalling all of the ways that the nation of Israel has stumbled and fallen, all of the ways that they've failed to keep God's covenant. And, and it's sort of this question and answer response in those first chapters of Lamentations where, where Jeremiah recounts sort of collectively on behalf of the entire nation, collectively recounts, God, we have messed up. We haven't kept covenant with you. And then God replies with, Judgment in his righteous justice to be demanded for the sin that's been committed. Back and forth that goes for the first two and a half chapters. Then then it's summarized. Summarized, I think, in those first two verses that we read here today, right? Verses 19 and 20, where it's just the summary of those first two and a half chapters. I remember all the bitterness. I remember how far we've fallen, right? That he remembers those things, brings that to mind. And and in so doing, maybe those memories sort of take over. Do you know what that's like? You have moments like that, right? Moments where you're living in a world where, where maybe the circumstances that seem to be around you right at the moment crowd everything else out. That's all that sticks with you are the trials or the hardships or all that sticks with you is a failure that sets you back. That sometimes those become the memories that take over. Those become the things that that sort of crowd their way into our lives and, and, and sometimes then we find it hard to know which way to go. Which step comes next? How do we get back to a place of hope? 
That seemed to be where Israel was at. At least right here at this point when the author of Lamentations writes that, well, the city of Jerusalem is about to fall and everyone there is going to be wiped out and no one has hope. They can't find that anywhere. So Jeremiah looks for that hope and he does so by calling on memory. Remember. But wait, remember, don't don't just remember all the hardships and and don't just remember all the suffering because that's what's in their minds right now, right? That's how he starts this passage. We're flooded with all these memories of everything that went wrong and everything that does not seem right in our world. But we need a memory that, that pushes further than that, that gets us a little bit past that. A memory that goes back to God's faithfulness. Because faithfulness is something that requires memory. I don't think it's by accident that in this passage where where God's faithfulness is called upon and brought to mind that it's connected with memory and remembering. In fact, in those first two verses that we read in our English Bibles, remember is written twice there. In in the Hebrew that it's originally written in, it, it shows up three times. Three times He says, remember, remember, remember. He's calling upon the people to say, we need a memory, a memory, a memory that pushes past everything that's wrong, a memory that pushes past all the bad news, a memory that gets us back to God, that roots us once again in that foundation. So he proceeds forward with that memory. In verse 22, he states that, right? Because of his great love, we are not consumed. His great love. What triggers that memory, right? I I think that's the key for us today. Yeah, great. How do we get there? How do we find that memory that embraces that great love of God? It's the Hebrew word hesed. We looked at it a few weeks ago because not only is it translated as great love, but other places of the Bible it's translated as loving kindness. So when we looked at the spiritual fruit of kindness, we also saw this Hebrew word chesed. It shows up in the Old Testament 245 times, and the vast majority of them are in reference to God. It's part of God's character. It's within God's character to be a God of great love, kindness, enduring faithfulness. He's calling that to mind. Here's the other thing that I don't think happens by accident in Lamentations. I started today at verse 19, but but if you were to back up one more verse and look at verse 18, he mentions the name of the Lord. Now, in our in our English Bibles, at least in our NIV, it's Lord with all capital letters. But that's the divine name for God, the name that was revealed to Moses at Mount Sinai, the name that sometimes we pronounce as Yahweh. Or if you have a, one of those really old King James version of the Bibles, it's Jehovah. The divine name of God it shows up there in verse 18, and that is the first time in the book of Lamentations the name of God shows up at chapter 3, verse 18. The first mention of it. I think that's a trigger. A trigger for Jeremiah where he's going through all of these things that he is lamenting. 
all the things that have taken over and crowded out God's faithfulness. He's looking for that shred of hope to hang on to. And then he mentions Yahweh, the name of the Lord. And that triggers it. That starts it. The Lord. That's right. The Lord who revealed himself to our forefathers, right? The Lord who was our God before us in the generations ahead. The God who, in the name Yahweh, the name that means the God who was and is and will always be, right? That God is forever faithful to his covenant. Jeremiah grabs onto that. That's right. It's Yahweh, the name of the Lord, the Lord who was there in generations past. Maybe that name triggers to his mind a passage like takes place in Exodus 34. Exodus 34 is where Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the stone tablets and and God reveals his glory to Moses. And in revealing his glory to Moses, this is what Moses hears. He hears the Lord proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That Jeremiah brings that to mind and he says, there's a memory that I need to grab onto here. There's something that I need to pull in and hang my hope upon that goes further than whatever the circumstances around me right now happen to be. I need to remember God's faithfulness in that time and in that moment. Remembering the God of great love, that God of chesed, that word that's so packed, full of meaning for those people. And so Jeremiah writes that down and he writes, don't forget, don't forget that our God is a God of faithfulness. Don't forget that. Remember that. Do things that call that to mind. Israel had a way of doing that, right? It was sort of built into who they were as a nation, that memory of who they were. They they had ways of remembering that. When they came out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea and, and from there that Passover celebration that they did, which freed them from slavery, was something they would go back to year after year. That God said, I want you to keep doing this because this is a way to remember the memory of God's faithfulness. So they would do that over and over again. When Jesus celebrated that Passover with his disciples, he took it to a place of new meaning for us in the church today, something we did here this morning. And it's not by accident that we recall those words that Jesus said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. It's not by accident that when we take that piece of bread and we take that cup of juice that we say, take, eat, remember, and believe. Take, drink, remember, and believe. That we do things like this so that we have a memory of who our God is. That we set up those markers along the trail of faith as we go. Because when we find ourselves in a place where we lose sight of any trail and we don't know which way to go and there's just no step forward that we can find, we need something to turn around and look at. 
We need some marker there set up in our lives that shows us and reminds us again that we can go back to. That says, that's right. That's who our God is. That our God is a God of faithfulness. So we set those things up. We all do that in our lives in various ways in other memories, right? I mean, I've been to, I've been to visit people where you've got scrapbooks or things that just sort of collect something of memory or, or whatever it is that you collect along the way that gives that reminder, that memory of what's important, what's significant, what it is you want to hold on to. One of the times that this past year when I was over to visit and spend some time with Joe Hannenberg, I, I noticed on Joe's refrigerator pictures all across the front of the refrigerator. Every single kid, grandkid, great-grandkid, every single one of them are pictured right there on the refrigerator. Because sometimes we have to set up things that remind us every single day of what's important, right? Those things that we set up in our own lives that bring that memory back so that when the trials come, when the struggles are there, when maybe we lose sight of where the next step forward ought to be, we've got something to look at and hold on to and guide our step again. So we set up those things. Faithfulness then. Faithfulness as a spiritual fruit. Now, it strikes me that faithfulness is sort of this collective repetition and buildup of all the other spiritual fruits consistently over time, right? So what is it that the Israelites are recalling when they recall God's faithfulness? Well, they're recalling his consistent pattern in the past of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those other spiritual fruits that that we've been going over, those are all attributes that God displays. And when you see that building up over time and it's the consistent pattern that's there, it creates faithfulness. That we can say, you know what, we know that we have a God who will continue to love us because the pattern has been in the past that he always has been a God who loves us and loves our ancestors and loves the generations before. It's because God has consistently displayed those fruits of the Spirit in his own character and done that without fail that we say God is faithful. We use that term to count on those things that we see as reliable, right? The sun is going to come up every day. Well, in Michigan, you get the clouds, but you know, it's there. Faithful. We know it's going to happen. For those of you who have a well-trained pet dog, right? You know that over time, dog is faithful. Will always be there, right? Will we'll always be the one who is devoted to the family that they're with. And those are things that we sort of count as faithfulness and what it means to be faithful. But it's built up by a repetition of things that have happened over time. Faithfulness, then, is it's more than good intentions, right? I mean, we can have the best intentions in the world, but you don't measure those intentions as faithfulness until they are put into practice over time and have a consistent pattern. 
then it becomes faithfulness. So it, it strikes me that this is a spiritual fruit that seems to intentionally turn around and look backwards in order to know what's coming forwards, right? That because God is a God who's done all of these things in the past, we know that he is faithful to continue doing these things in the future. That's how faithful this works. And it comes to us as a spiritual gift then. A spiritual gift that bears fruit. Now, let's be honest, okay? Consistency, faithful consistency is something that we all struggle with at points in our lives. We do. That for any one of us to claim, yep, faithfulness, I've got that down 100% of the time in 100% of my relationships and in all of my jobs and tasks I do, always faithful, you're kidding yourself. We don't always do that perfectly. So how does that then show up as a spiritual fruit that we can bear when we know, you know what, there's times when we can't do that perfectly. But when we bear a spiritual fruit that points to God, right, that, that when we say, you know what, even though I know I'm a broken person, even though I know I don't always do things perfectly, I follow a God who's faithful. I point my life in a direction that shows that God is the one who's faithful, that, that God's faithfulness then is the thing that opens the path, opens the path to always pointing to him, always returning to him. That's the point of, well, what we did here today with this table, right? It was that memory, that reminder of God's faithfulness that always gives us a path to return to him, to put him at the center, that we bear the spiritual fruit of faithfulness when we live in ways that point people to God's faithfulness. You see, that's how the spiritual fruit of faithfulness shows up in our lives. It, it bears its fruit when, when we live in ways that cling to that hope, that hope that God is always faithful. He always has been faithful, and so we know he always will be faithful. And when we bear that fruit for others to see, they don't just see us, they don't see me, they don't see you, they, they see through that God that we point to God when we bear that fruit of faithfulness because it's a testimony. It's a testimony of our own lives that we live in ways and that we walk in ways that always cling to the faithfulness of God. And when we do that for other people to see, then they catch that spiritual fruit as well and they can bear that in their lives. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are a God of faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the ways that you've revealed yourself to be faithful. Lord, we are sorry for the times when we have fallen short of that. We're sorry for the times when we've perhaps made our faith all about us instead of pointing it to you. But Lord, we thank you that you always open a way for us to return to you again because you are faithful. Lord, we thank you that we have markers set up in our lives 
to remember who you are and what you've done. And Lord, we pray that in times where maybe we've lost sight of the trail, where our faith doesn't know which way to step next, show us that marker again, guide our steps, and bring us back to your faithfulness. We thank you for that. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.